Where is adjust? Oh, automatically adjust microphone settings. Yeah, maybe you okay. don't have that turned on. Yeah, no, I don't. I should turn that off too. Yeah, probably. Okay, so how about this? Now you're much quieter. I should be louder then. Yes. Like so? Did you get louder? Five? Uh, seven. How about seven? Okay. Uh, I don't know. Is there like a 12? <laughs> I, I, I can take it up to 12, um, but I'm, I need a day to recover. Oh, dear. A whole day? I'm not as young as I used to be. Yeah, you are kind of old. <laughs> I'm very old. Do you remember Remember when we first met and I said you look like a young Robert Picardo? Yeah, now I'm like yeah. an old Robert Picardo. Yeah, now you just look like Robert Picardo. <laughs> it's horrifying when I leave the, the U-scan at Walmart because they got the security camera pointing down. So I'll see the back of my head as I'm leaving. I can see my oh, hair thinning. That, don't, don't feel too bad. I saw I got that one back in my 20s. I was, yeah, I was going to actually make a joke about that, but now you've ruined it. At customer service, I could see, I probably have said this before, I could see the security camera footage and the back of my head constantly. So I could, I saw in real time as my hair disappeared. <laughs> Bob, here's the kicker, though. Is your head covered in scabs, though? I got a couple. Uh, okay, well. Because <laughs> that's what I'm scared about losing my hair. Not losing, about losing my hair, but like all my scalp wounds will be visible for the world to see. Uh, so, um... Scalp wounds, you say? Yeah. Uh, poor K scalp wounds. I've had them ever since I was like 14 or 15. That's not really it's an just answer like a, to the question. It's, I don't know, it's like pimples or something, but like, I change my pillowcases, I shampoo my hair, I've done all kinds of different things, they just sort of pop up randomly. You change your uh-huh. pillowcases and shampoo your hair, just, you know, these really bizarre things for normal people to do. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, I'm not living nastily. I'm not, like, you know, rubbing chicken grease into my head at night or anything. But it makes your hair so shiny! <laughs> it's oh, full of volume. Of body. <laughs> Bounce. <laughs> makes it fluffy and holds in the heat. But part of the problem, though, is, like, having hair grow through a scab results in a constant pulling on the scab all the time. Hmm. Sounds uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, and it's it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, I wouldn't mm. recommend it. I wouldn't know much about hair growing anymore. So it's time once again for that one episode of Star Trek, where we just, you know, watch that one episode of Star Trek. Not that one episode of Voyager, although it is an episode of Voyager, but we already did that one oh. episode of Voyager as the series finale, uh, you know, episode 100, when the podcast ended, but here we are again, so, um, you know. Uh, this is that one episode of Voyager that I've been wanting to cover since the podcast ended. Okay, I, I don't know what the acronym for that would be, because you said that too fast, I couldn't keep up. Damn. <laughs> well, in any case, on tonight's episode, there's there's me, I'm XV, uh, we have Hey Mickey, and Ken is back with us for the first time since, like, episode four. Hi! Since that time he stiffed us on the finale. Yeah, that was a thing. We did try to get him back for Threshold, uh, our episode 100. Um, I invited him. He said he'd be here and everything. And then allegedly he slept sick. through it. I had pneumonia the next few days. Yeah, sure you did. <laughs> sure you did. I had to get my nails done. The dog needed a shampoo. <laughs> there were snakes in my car again. The I was car- just coughing up a lung. The carpet Wait. ate my homework. Relatedly, my, relatedly, my perchance for that is why I'm stuck at home. 
uh, snakes in your car? No, pneumonia. Oh. Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, the chance of snakes in your car would be, like, a major thing that would, you know, force you to stay at home. I did have a snake on my car once. Yes, I remember that's what, that. I remember the that's story. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't in my car. There's a difference. Was it's it close difference. enough? <laughs> It was close enough. Yeah, it was right next in the to moment, <laughs> in the moment, was there really a functional difference for you, whether it was inside the car or not? Well, I noticed that halfway to the Chinese place, and I looked to my left and saw it on the window. So, not really. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just whispering, "Let me in." <laughs> and the snake just wanted to go and get some general sows. <laughs> You were cheaper Years than Uber, which didn't exist at that point in time, which is how long ago this happened. Yes. You know what's really terrible? The original form of superhero time started in January of 2010, so, like... Is this the 10-year anniversary? Technically. And and some change, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what's eight months? Yeah, I mean... What's eight months in 2020? Like 15 years. More like um, 50. <laughs> eh, who's counting? Look, I am look, every day. Look, Ken, to those of us who still have all their hair, it's like 15 years. Hey. <laughs> huh. All right, we were doing a podcast, so. um. No, this sounds about like the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's this is my style of podcasting. This this isn't your like you know RFC or anything like that. This is just this goes. No, places. this is enjoyable <laughs> for us and the listeners. Hi, Brian. <laughs> oh, and he will hear this too. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell him that we're doing this, he's gonna be all excited and you know looking forward to listening to the episode, and, oh, no, and then he's gonna get to this part, and then you know. How's he gonna listen to this episode? He has kids now. Well, he has a day job. Oh, okay. At home. All right, I, so I don't he, really know how his schedule works, but somehow it works. What's the schedule? Parents just find a way to make it happen. They're the real heroes here. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, okay. Well, your mom is a hero. She makes it happen all the time. With sex. <laughs> it's been a while. He has to, you know, emphasize it so people don't get a joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's called introductory exposition. From this point forward, it's expected that you'll follow along with the show and understand the references when we call back to them without all the specificity. Also, good news! It's an expository! <laughs> Explosive exposition. The exposition. No one expects the Spanish exposition. So, our episode tonight is uh, from Voyager Season 2. No, please, come back. Don't stop listening. Um... <laughs> Yes, at, at Hey Mickey's insistence, and boy do I mean insistence, we watched Meld from Season 2, which uh, was, it was that one episode where uh, Tuvok kills Neelix. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, that was... I love this episode. Yes, this and that's like... why you're going to be the one to talk about it, primarily. Yeah, I figured I'd have to, because I know that <laughs> you would hate it, and I assume Ken would hate it, but he said he liked it, so yay. Oh yeah, I actually liked it a lot. I I've, I've, I've been coming around to Voyager... In my isolation. That's when you know the cabin <laughs> fever is set in. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so true Space story. True, true story. Ken originally left that one episode of Star Trek because he didn't want to watch any more Voyager episodes. <laughs> and Enterprise. Especially Enterprise. 
that's that's why we brought good. Scott on at that it, point because he actually was, was interested it was in watching more, I had nothing. I had nothing to say to Star Trek at that point. I was just fumbling around much more so than I was with Tokusatsu at that point. Uh, well, like we all of us during when Wizard was on the air. We couldn't. Yeah, really, it was kind of like that, except every week. We couldn't really tell the difference, Ken. Well, you couldn't. I could. Well, it doesn't matter if you can tell the difference. It's it's how it presents to the audience. <laughs> when since when have we cared about that? All right. So the episode we're doing is meld. Yeah, I think I said that. Yes. So let, let's get this turkey in here. So we open up in the the holodeck, uh, embarrassing Irish pub that Paris coded because he's a brilliant holographer. Isn't it French? It doesn't matter. (laughs) The the point is that Tom Paris is an excellent pilot. He's a medic. He's a holodeck programmer. Uh, He builds car engines. Um, He knows how to cling on women. Um, He's just everything. He's (laughs) he's Ensign Gary Stu Paris. Not to be confused with Ensign uh, Nickel Carno Paris. Right. Totally different character. Yeah. So uh, he's up to scamming the crew in the holodeck. Uh, but, especially, but especially Harry. Uh, especially Harry, yes, because Harry's <laughs> stupid enough to fall for it and get other people to fall for it. This, this, this whole scene actually does raise a question that immediately struck me as somebody who just kind of watches Star Trek casually. So they kind of present replicators as like an end to world hunger and stuff like that. So so the the fact the the element of rations for them also kind of seems weird to me. Ah, so they sort of loosely explained this in the first season. Um, I must so, have glazed over when I was watching. So replicators <laughs> are an end to world hunger, etc. In a situation where you have access to unlimited compatible energy sources and fuel supplies and such, Voyager is over on the other side of the galaxy where there's not. There's no energy or matter or anything over there. It's just, you know, empty. Right. Okay, it's just people with shit rubbed in their hair. I guess that makes some sense. Yeah, I mean... It's very easy to glaze... In spite of what I said about coming around on Voyager, it's very easy to just glaze over when you're watching it. Well, and so, like, <laughs> my original memories of watching Voyager had it that they explained it much more clearly, but re-watching it later in life, it's like, Wow, that really is just kind of mostly subtext in why this is the way it is. Ah, uh, okay. Because, like, in the first few episodes, they make reference to the replicators, I think, actually not being functioning entirely mm. at that stage, which that just kind of goes away and is replaced with the replicator rationing thing, which, mm. like everything else on the ship, is a matter of they can't guarantee when they'll be able to resupply with anything. But the holodecks, you can use them as much as you want because their energy systems can't work with anything else on the ship, which actually makes less sense than anything else they've said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, none of it makes any logical sense. It's all just for Effect. setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, basically. It, it sets the mood of the show. I mean, it doesn't make any logical sense, but that's just the vibe we're going for here. doesn't make any sense if you've watched TNG or DS9, but let's just ignore that. (laughs) Yes, they spent all this energy on conceptual setting elements and then wasted every other interesting story opportunity they had come their way over the next seven years. Maybe the Voyager replicators don't work because it's the Voyager crew running them. (laughs) There you go. All the competent engineers got blowed up when the caretaker took them over there. Maybe... The Voyager replicators don't work very well because it's the uh, bioneural gel packs, and the gel packs are confused because they're in the wrong part of space. 
Yeah, yeah. Just smile and nod. I, I keep trying, the toilet water keeps trying to spin the wrong way down in the replica. <laughs> so, like, I, 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 See, I, I would like to think that the, the gel packs are analogous to, like, the Mac version of L-Cars. <laughs> and it just can't do that. What do you mean it can't do that? It just can't. <laughs> All right, so, so Tom's great big scheme here is that he wants to, every week, guess how many beans are in the sensor scan. <laughs> And whoever guesses closest or exact or whatever wins all the replicator rations, and he gets 10% of whatever's contributed. Jesus Christ, Tom. And the crew is stupid enough to say, okay, sure, that sounds like a good fun time. Well, that's because none of them ever it's went to the prison. the Voyager crew. <laughs> now, meanwhile, where are my scratch-off tickets? <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, down in engineering, uh, Ensign Hogan, the traitor... Uh, is just sort of yeah, hanging he wasn't out. Traitor, wasn't he? I thought he was the traitor later on. No, oh, he just died. That's what it was. I mean, you know, everybody died eventually. Well, whatever. Okay. So Hogan is yelling at Bolana from across the warp core. Hey, shit's not working. So Bolana says, "Okay, I guess we'll have to go look at it and fix it." Which is okay. Well, it sounds like what being an engineer is. <laughs> Somebody somebody yells at you that something's not working, and you go look at it and fix it, and you know possibly hit it with a spanner. Speaking of not working, meanwhile, up in the mess hall, uh, <laughs> two Tuvix and Neelix are Tuvix. De- yes, <laughs> I think that's an entirely different episode. <laughs> no, it's this episode, pretty sure. <laughs> They're deepening their emotional bond over the the topic of Vulcan holidays. It's the Calrec season. You know, speak, speaking of Vulcans, one thing about Voyager that does stand out is, again, as somebody who just kind of casually watches these things normally, they really were just kind of not around very much for TNG and DS9. So it is at least interesting that they decided to shove one on Voyager. For TNG specifically, they wanted to have some distance from the the standbys of the original series. Yeah, I get that. Which is why in season one, Worf was almost the only Klingon you saw, except for the one episode where the other one showed up and tried to take over the ship because, you know, Klingons are our allies, but they're still apparently, you know, evil Assholes. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> They're scamps. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. But that's why, oh, you, you know, the Romulans were almost never around early on and uh, no Vulcans. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. You just got, you just, got, but you eventually. When you have everything all together, it does kind of stand out like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But, like, in Deep Space Nine, it makes the occasions where the Vulcans do show up and are complete assholes all the more uh, entertaining and endearing. Yes, but that's because they're dealing with Cisco and his crew at that point. Yes, but that's just so much better, because, like, a Vulcan coming <laughs> to talk with Picard is boring. A yeah. Vulcan coming to talk to Cisco results in a baseball game. Yeah. And that's, that's Vul- brilliant. Or somebody. A, a Vulcan comes out of Picard, they just have mind sex. Oh, we'll get to that later. Or a Vulcan <laughs> comes to talk to Picard and turns out to be a Romulan double agent. Oops! Spoilers. <laughs> Not for this episode, I don't think. So, yep, Neelix and, and Tuvok are having their discussion about the ancient Vulcan holiday of naked sluts covered up in lube. Well, that was, that was the second holiday that Neelix brought up. The first one was, you know, more typical fashion of Vulcan somber, like, you know, go 
set yourself on fire. That or something. wasn't the one that Neelix wanted to talk about. It though. really wasn't, and anybody who would be overhearing that conversation would definitely be more interested in what Neelix actually had on his mind, which was and the what? ancient Vulcan it's holiday. About the only of... time you, it's about the only time you could say that for Neelix. <laughs> <laughs> so, one thing that Tim Russ is really great at is conveying emotionless emotion. Because the amount of hate and <laughs> infuriation in his blank stare is impressive. It actually is. I think he's very underrated. I kind of feel like in Enterprise, the way they had the Vulcans play was more based on what Tim Russ did with Tuvok. Because like that emotionless irritation at everything kind of just became the de facto standard of what Vulcans were from this point on. Like, in the past, Vulcans would be, you know, a bit arrogant and maybe slightly dismissive of your wacky emotional ways. Mm-hmm. No, you know, Tuvok had contempt, and every Vulcan afterward also basically had contempt. Yeah. Um, how about remember other Vulcans? I mean, there's Cybok, who obviously does not count. Right. Um, Sarek, who, you know, is well-established. Uh-huh. And then I guess what the... The one who ran the, the, the love-murder duel between Kirk and Spock? T'Pau. Yeah. That was who, it, wasn't it? Who just spoke in a weird dialect somehow. I mean, there really haven't been a lot of Vulcans in Star Trek. Which is weird to say. Like, main char- character-ish, or significant recurring characters. Had a name. Had a name. <laughs> well, there's been more of them than there have been of Tellarites, so, you know. Well, no, but I mean... <laughs> If you include the um, appearances in Deep Space Nine, of which there was a couple, that was also more a matter of arrogance rather than outright open contempt for non-Vulcans. Yeah. And I guess they were kind of overlapping at that point, so Tuvok would have come before some of them. Yeah, and I, for me, it's thinking about more in the context of while Tuvok was an ongoing thing, it wasn't a matter of, like, basing other performances on what he was doing, but for a subsequent series where you might have a new crop of writers coming in and looking for reference material, Voyager was the most amount of Vulcan material there was to look back on to identify behavior. Actually, Voyager's probably the most amount of Vulcan material to look back on, period. Yes, well, I'm trying not to acknowledge that part of it, but, like, you can see how... (laughs) You know, there is there 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 is at least twice, if not more, as much of Tuvok than there is of Spock. Yeah, yeah, that's um, <laughs> yeah that 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 is a that is a statement that you just made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong though. <laughs> ah, but Ken, as... two wrongs don't make a right, but three lefts do. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> I thought that was your joke originally. No, that was his joke. He told that in math class, and the teacher told him to go out to the hall. <laughs> the teacher was right, but, you know. Okay, well, I first heard the joke from you, so I'm attributing it to you and not Scoot. Well, there's the hidden origin story. Well, yeah, and like many uh, hidden origin stories that come after the fact, it's just kind of ruined everything. Par for the course. Yeah, well, this is... It's not exactly superhero time, but, you know... Close so, enough. Before Neelix can tell Tuvok his plan to holographically recreate Vulcan sluts, not oh yeah, the Vulcan ceremony. holiday of giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Torres uh, pages Tuvok and says, could you come down to engineering? I got a little something I need your help with. <laughs> Always a good sign in the cold open. <laughs> so Tuvok happily, emotionlessly, <laughs> heads down to uh, engineering. Relieved happily, me. emotionlessly, leaves Neelix behind. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes down to engineering, and Torres just starts to their arms folded, just with points and a little <laughs> cubby hole in the wall. Like, eh. Gross. Spenceful music playing. I'm sorry, let me get the close captions. And he opens the, 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 the cabinet, and inside is Freddy Krueger. Or his victim, anyway. Well, pre, pre-demon Freddy Krueger, just toast uh, alive. Okay, okay. Toasty. Toasty! Mm, deep fried. <laughs> God, I want some wings. I'm, I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, I, do too. <laughs> I don't like chicken wings, it's too much work. <laughs> it implies you're making them yourself. <laughs> no, I meant eating them. Oh, actually, making them isn't that hard either. Who makes chicken wings? You just like make someone make them for you. Why do you think? I, I mean, I have a deep fryer. I'm going to use it. Not a deep fryer. I have a deep fryer. I also have an air fryer. I was going to say, like, who even uses a deep fryer? You just get a big pot and fill it with oil. Mm, also fair. Deep fryers right. are like the worst way to deep fry something. Ironically enough. Yeah. Cause, this is not uh, shit in the kitchen. Like, it's milled. Like that's why. I, that's why I meant to say the air fryer because the air fryer is very good. Deep fryers don't ever have enough volume to cook like a whole meal's worth of food, let alone feed like several people. Yeah, and it's this big standalone piece of equipment that's really awkward to clean. It's just it's a big hassle. If you get like a big kind of heavy pot and just put a quart of oil in it, yeah, can drink your oil. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly use the air fryer, which is which I don't need oil for. Thank you very much. Ken, breathe your oil. Um, <sighs> no, see that's how I deep fry though. I've got a I've got a big heavy old soup pot, and it's you know it just has oil in it. And I know my stove pretty well, so I don't need to always um, like have a thermometer in there to know that it's at the cooking temperature because I just know like put the stove top on this number for this many minutes, and the oil will be heated to where it needs to be. But I also have, like, a probe thermometer I can dangle in there, too, when I need to, like, specifically get temperatures right. It's a very good setup, actually. Yeah. Uh, our stove is more like Russian roulette. <laughs> I mean, ours used to be, although I knew that pretty well, too, because we had that for, like, 15, 16 years at least. <laughs> um, but this new one's very reliable. It It heats fast and hot. Uh, the old so the big burner on the old stove had two settings. It was either blasting hot or off. Yeah, that's basically it. Like simmer, simmer was more of this like distant theoretical concept than a thing we actually did. Yeah, it's it's kind of revolutionized cooking having a stove that works correctly. This is why I mainly use the air fryer for almost everything now. Uh, my mom was gifted an air fryer. Uh, early this year and like it was an interesting novelty but it's it's not as much of a hassle to use and clean as a deep fryer would be but it's also uh-huh. still a little impractical in a lot of situations it's just a lot more reliable than than our stove for a lot of things that we would what we might make yeah that and that makes sense and you know there's certainly nothing wrong with having a little convection oven for small servings of basically yeah it i mean they do fries pretty well so like that's yeah something at least i don't think it's any faster than using an actual oven but by now we must have made it through the uh opening of voyager right mickey <laughs> this is all getting cut out right what all of that <laughs> that's getting cut yes what 
Am I Ciloning? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, what I might do, actually, is when I'm editing, I will go and get the opening theme to Voyager and just run that as a music bed under that conversation. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, the real trick to good cooking is to just get yourself a husband who does it for you. Yeah, I mean, or just anybody in your the... household who actually enjoys cooking and is good at it so that you don't have to. It All right, be, so it doesn't have to be a doing... husband. It could be, you know, like a slave child. This week we're doing the episode Milled. So the episode <laughs> opens up in the holodeck with Tom Paris starting a gambling ring. <laughs> Listen, Mickey, I know we haven't done this in a while, but you have to remember, pre-show runs through the entire show on this podcast. Anyway, we left off a of fried chicken. Yes, okay. After the credits, we cut to sick bay. The doctor says, oh, this dude's toast. You're lucky that the whatever who's it in there failed. Otherwise, he would have turned into vapor and you'd be breathing him right now. <laughs> so Tuvok responds, oh, well, well, this must be an accident. I'll get to the bottom of this. The doctor's like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> Check this shit out over here. His skull's been bashed in. I, I, I like the line he uses, where, which it, uh, what was it about the difference between... Uh, moving skull hitting a st- stationary object versus a uh, stationary, stationary skull being uh, hit by a moving object. Object, yeah, yeah. Um, it's also fun to watch the doctor and um, Tuvok interact because, on the one hand, Tuvok is a living, breathing machine, <laughs> whereas the doctor is a thinking, is feeling AI. program. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's obvious to point out, but it just is funny to watch. So. Mr. Tuvok, this was dum 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 murder, murder, and murder most foul. Not the medium grade murder that's just a little stanky. This is bad murder. So Janeway calls a meeting in her ready room. Taurus is late. Ugh, always. <laughs> Klingons, am I right? Well, she still had to fix the engine <laughs> <laughs> after they pulled the carcass out. No, what she was doing was pulling the duty roster to see uh, who was working with uh, Ensign Darwin, which, Lord. <laughs> you know, with a name like really that, you would thing? think he just crawled into that yes. uh, EPS conduit by himself. Completely. Yeah, Ensign Darwin, his job was to die. Oh, Jesus Christ. Who <sighs> on the nose? So, Bellana hands over the duty records to Chakotay, and Chakotay looks at him and like, oh, shit. What is it? What is it, Chakotay? <laughs> Maybe should have told you guys about something. <laughs> yeah, the guy who was working with him, it was it was Suter. Ooh, that's not good. Chicote, there was nothing on your records about this when we brought him in. Nobody asked. <laughs> was essentially like, his Chakotay's answer. points, like, they kind of hold up. Like, you don't put your emotional responses in, like, uh, you know, facts. And he's telling this to the Vulcan. And also, he wasn't trying to screw over his own people he was trying to save. So, like, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of get it. I, I, I feel like Chakotay should have been a bigger part of this episode then. Yeah, but, well, there's only so much time. No, he has to deal with Tom, but that's later. So, yeah, they gave him the boring story because he's Chakotay. <laughs> Interesting, that story is part of a larger arc, though. Well, so. yes. But... So Suter's so story is that um, he hopped on board with the Maquis, and you know the Maquis did a lot of killing and murdering and shit. But you know they didn't like it. 
Except for Suter. <laughs> hmm. Who kind of liked it a little too much. and Like a lot. <laughs> like maybe once Chakotay thought he was going to kill him too. Like, okay, these are some serious red flags now. Yeah, no, I mean, like... Uh, like, Up to a point, what Chakotay was saying was kind of valid. Yeah, you're not going to, like, purposely make it harder for your people to integrate, but, like... Except then he kept going. Yeah, when you legitimately <laughs> think at one point in your life that this person that you're talking about was maybe going to kill you, I think that's something you might, you know, bring up at the, at the you know, um, introductory meeting, the, the orientation session. Yeah, just mention it. Maybe just slide it to Janeway, like, "Hey, look, just in case." Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe like just leave an anonymous note at her office door. At least keep an eye on this guy. Like, you know, don't leave him alone. The pipe wrench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in the drawing room. <laughs> so, with... This whole scene is the start of where I think this episode swerves into something different and really interesting, because. It immediately starts off with, this is not a murder mystery. We know who fucking did this. It's gonna be, We're doing something else. It's not about trying to pin him down and be him, you know, well, yeah, finding like, the proof. The first, what, six minutes of this episode make it look like it's going to be some kind of investigative procedural thing. And then it's not. Yeah, at all, I could have yeah. also been down for, but, you know. So, we cut over to uh, Lon Suter's interview with Tuvok, played by the delightful Brad Dorf. Also, I just want to point out Tuvok's giant, like, wall sculpture thing. That's pretty bitchin'. It is. I I legitimately really like that thing. I really like Brad Dorf. Um, yeah, I, he... I know. You, you bought a figure so you could make your own lawn suitor. Yes, um, because he is amazing in this episode. Oh, he yes. No, so no, I'm not terrifying. What did you make the figure from? Uh, Agrima Wormtongue Head from Lord of the Rings. Huh. It's slightly too big, but it's close enough that it works if you're not looking too closely. Who did you decapitate for it? Uh, murdered Harry Kim from the, <laughs> the A472 two-pack, whatever they are. I, I, I just enough. to know, and I'm glad it was that, so carry on. So Tuvok invites Suter in for an interview because Tuvok is suspicious, but he doesn't have proof. He just wants to talk to him. And Suter immediately starts out being creepy and shifty as fuck with his yeah. uh, horrifying black Betazoid eyes. Yeah, if you didn't know this wasn't a murder mystery before, <laughs> you definitely know that <laughs> by this point. So Tuvok's running through all the normal line of the questions like, well, did you have any relationship with him? No. Well, no, his first... Suda's first question for Tuvok is, are you accusing me of murdering him? I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, come out. <laughs> oh, and then there's the whole, like, boy, it should be hard for you to, like, verify anything I tell you, wouldn't it? Yeah. I you have a criminal record? Anything. How are you going to prove that? <laughs> no. well, Chill, dude. <laughs> like, shh. I mean, you were a mercenary and your boss is here. Suda's <laughs> like, I know you hate the Maquis. I know. We all know it. Tuvok's just like, I'm going to be questioning everybody. You realize that, right? Are we done here, Tuvok? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Tuvok just stares uncomfortably into silence like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we go straight from Suter saying, I didn't do it. Cut, like, basically smash cut to the doctor saying, Suter did it. Here's the DNA <laughs> evidence. Just, just in case the audience still needed proof that this was not a murder mystery anymore. Only 11 episodes in, I don't 11, 11 minutes into the episode. Yeah, 11 episodes into the minute, yes. 
So we, we cut straight from Dutter saying, here's the proof that Souter did it, back to Souter looking at the proof and saying, oh, yeah, well, you got me. I did it. <laughs> like, no, like, th- this is wrong. No, I didn't do this. This is incorrect. It's like, yeah, it was me. I killed him. I did it with a pipe wrench. I Good blood, it. actually. It was fine. You know, no big deal. <laughs> and and Tuvok get... cannot process this. <laughs> I don't think a normal person should be able to process this, much less Tuvok. Tuvok's like, well, what was your motive? I didn't have one. That's not acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) You know what is acceptable, though? Vodka and Red Bull. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, like, basically the whole underpinning of this episode is, like, Tuvok not being able to comprehend, like, human behavior. They just went in a really extreme direction with it. Oh, we ain't even there yet. <laughs> well, I, I think Vulcans are used to not understanding humans, but this is beyond their understanding of not understanding. Because, like, humans don't really just murder for fun anymore. So, give me misunderstanding beyond misunderstanding? <laughs> yes. Sort of omens? <laughs> so, Tuvix try, goes to the doctor to be like, is Tuvix. he lying? Yes, Tuvix. It's a better <laughs> character, and you know it. <laughs> Oh man! Imagine I mean, if imagine if Tuvix had stayed fused, and this episode happened after that. <laughs> All right, so Tuvix like, Doctor, is he telling the truth? What's going on here? And the Doctor's like, Yeah, humans are crazy. <laughs> Says the AI. <laughs> here, let me pull up his DNA and show you. See, <laughs> he's not super crazy, but yeah, he likes violence. Then so do all the McKee. That's probably why they were McKee. <laughs> Which, and, yeah, so like, much? like, <laughs> like as dude. the dialogue unfolds, it does seem like, wow, that's certainly prejudice. But then he's like, it probably just, you know, the Maquis draw a certain kind of people. And it's like, eh, that kind of makes sense, I guess. Not every person's cut out to be a freedom fighter. Some people just want to go to cause. Well, yes, obviously yeah. it's more extreme for some people than others, but, like, anybody yeah. who's going to go and, you know, fight for their homeland has to have some, you know, pre-existing comfort with violence for a cause. Yeah. But the point is, I, I think it's also the fact that they could have just also attract people who just kind of want to fight. Yeah. Just for the hell of it, which kind of feels like what uh, Suter's deal is. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. like, you know, besides Bolana, there was other Klingon Maquis that we saw in, you know, crowd scenes and such. So, like, mm-hmm. on the one hand, you could think, like, the Klingons who are drawn in think it's an honorable conflict and want to be part of it. On the other hand, the Klingons probably just look at it like, huh, I can go fight and kill some Cardassians and get some glory. Bitchin'. Sweet! <laughs> Federation, let's go! <laughs> so Tuvok goes down to talk to Suter in the, the brig. Uh, demanding more answers and receiving nothing helpful in return. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Suter seems Why did to you be kill him? confusing I... Tuvok. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? Yes. Given the opportunity? <laughs> yes. I Why would troll Tuvok he so has hard. Nothing, he has nothing else to do but do this. Yeah. Highlight of his day, really. <laughs> the best answer he gives is, I don't like the way he looked at me. <laughs> Which... Wait, that's actually a very human response. Is <laughs> the kind of the that's the funny thing though. Is like that sounds like an an excuse that we would totally hear them say. Okay, yeah, I get that. But it just it just <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. I've heard that enough times before that yeah, I understand that reasoning. 
Yeah, but instead but... it just incenses Tuvok more. Yeah. yeah. That is illogical. You motherfucker. <laughs> Does not compute. Em- em- emotionally, emotionlessly, emotionlessly incenses him. <laughs> so he starts like trying to like logic it out. Okay, so you killed people in Starfleet, yes? Sometimes. I kill people who weren't in Starfleet too. It's all the same. Doesn't matter. But then we get to something interesting though, in that he's a Beazoid who's broken. And that he can't sense other people's emotions or his own emotions. Yeah, they actually kinda like no sell that. Like the line comes and goes and there's just like not any like on screen consequence of it. If you don't know to be paying attention to that part of it, you just would never even realize. Also, because we keep this, this slip keeps happening. The fact that he says the Federation doesn't execute people cut to a few seasons later in the two fix episode. No, that was yeah. the same season actually. I believe <laughs> is it the same season? I believe that was late season two. Oh, okay, that's like, that, that just stood out to me. Like, wait a second, Somebody, maybe he should have just asked Janeway. <laughs> oh, wait, he does. Well, we're getting ahead gets... of ourselves. Okay, okay, you're right. Tuvok right. gets frustrated and just walks out. His poor, feeble Vulcan brain, unable to process <laughs> uh, a, a truly emotionless brain. You can really just imagine as we're watching Tuvok walk toward the turbo lift. Like, we see him from behind, but you can just imagine, like, his eye twitching and he's just like, <laughs> mutter some Vulcan curse. <laughs> you can just hear the conversation with himself saying, I can't understand what's going inside his brain. If only there was some way I. Wait a sec! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> the way your timing on that on my video was right around the right <laughs> so, so good he, job he skids to a stop Sonic the Hedgehog style in reverse direction uh, comes back from the brig and says so I'm going to telepathically rape you and we're all going to be cool I understand you and you'll calm down right it's just like okay <laughs> that sounds fun. The way he just leaned back, his hands length, and just head against the wall, like, yeah, sure, why, why the hell not? <laughs> I got nothing else to do. <laughs> Everything Suter does is so terrifying. Right! It, 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 it's like watching a lizard in a human skin suit. Props to the actor. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, uh, I mean, likewise to Tim Russ in this episode, too. Yeah, it's a great f-ing episode, except for the B plot. Uh, is it time for that again? I'm sorry? I said, is it time for that again, the B plot? Yes, it is. Um, so, Majel Barrett, who's the winner this week of the raffle? <laughs> no winner this week. Please play again. <sighs> well, Tom just makes off with 10% of the pot. Mm-hmm. And... He, he makes off with a free steak dinner. Which I don't know about that whole, like, cream spinach angle, but the rest of it sounds pretty good. What's a Yorkshire pudding? Is that we blend up a dog into a fine paste, or... <laughs> no, don't hurt the dogs. I, I mean, I assume Yorkshire putter, pudding is made from Yorkies. I thought it was made by the people from Yorkshire. <laughs> That's what I said. Okay. Having... I had his cigarette after the mind meld. Tuvok comes up to Janeway's <laughs> to discuss um, his sex life with her. 
And so he proceeds to tell Jayway what she probably already knows that um, he likes to murder people. <laughs> no, Jay, you don't understand. Jay, he just, likes to murder people. Jayway's simply nonplussed, like, okay, yeah. He likes to murder people, and we haven't really been indulging him or, you know, giving him a chance to exercise these urges. It's really our fault that he did this. Yeah. This isn't something we can just talk him out of. He needs to murder. <laughs> the solution to this, after merging my brain with his, I can tell you honestly, is more murder. <laughs> his murder, in fact. <laughs> but he's cool with it. It's fine. Yeah. He thinks it's the right thing to do. I really want to do it. Um, let's kill him. <laughs> I'll just, do it. I, yeah, I, yeah. Like right now, I'll I'll just run down there right now, like, real quick. I can just you know pop into his head and like burst a blood vessel or something. It'll be you know cool. It's fine. Then <laughs> that's when Jamie actually shows the reaction. Like no. <laughs> let's put that on hold for a second now. How Suter doing with half of your brain shoved in his head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he seems calm. Cold, emotionless, ready to be killed. I, 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 can, do, I can go right I, now. I do, I do appreciate that Janeway like connects point A to point Z immediately. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She's like, mm, no, yeah, mm, no. And now, uh, how are you doing? Half of Suter's brain inside you. <laughs> Jane was like, I know how this works. You just got half of him in you. It's, oh my. Uh, it's a little darker in here, but I'm fine. Quite calm and controlled. Mm-hmm. I was going to go fishing some, you know, just let it all out. But then it ends with Tuvok saying, uh, yeah, I'll let you know if anything's up and I go crazy and murderous. Wink. <laughs> well, since Vulcans never lie, you have to take him at his word on that. They never lie, but they don't always tell you helpful things. Well, sometimes the truth just doesn't help. But seriously, the look on Janeway's face when he walks out is like... Oh, dear. <laughs> Look at our face like, it's going to be a long week. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of paperwork. I hate mind melds. <laughs> <laughs> There's coffee in that mind melt. She's just sitting there in her office thinking how jealous she is of Picard for getting to mind meld with Sarek. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, she's got to deal with this shit. How jealous, she is of, how, how jealous she is of Picard for not having a Vulcan on staff. <laughs> No, there is a Vulcan on staff on the Enterprise, Dr. Salar, who appeared once in Season 2 and then was referenced many times after. Oh, right! Even the android had more emotions. <laughs> I mean, not, not I mean, the doctor here has more emotions, so hell. So we follow Tuvok down to the mess hall, where he's trying to puzzle things out, and Neelix comes to be friendly. Lift his and spirits! Oh, this is the best scene. Yeah, this is probably the most. <laughs> uh, two of the most iconic things in the entire episode is one, Neelix dragging Tuvok's lip up into a <laughs> smile, <laughs> which is m- mind-blowingly offensive. And I can't imagine how many times they would have had to do this for Tim Russ to not break during that. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen. <laughs> the blue pause on that, like the look in his eyes is completely dead. Yeah. Like what it, was Tim Russ thinking about at that moment to stop from just cracking up? Baseball. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the, the moment everybody's been waiting for. Yes. Uh, Tuvok kills Neelix so hard it bends his prosthetics out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> 
Well, that just means he fractured Neelix's skull. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> give, give us what we really want. It's such a great fake out because only after he dies for like a, a moment do they reveal it was a holodeck program. Yeah. And then, it, and then everybody watching is disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally set up if you're watching for the first time and think, oh shit, they're going to have to save Neelix's life now. Now Tuvok's got murder crazy. Uh huh. Then they cut right to commercial, so you know. But no, he just had a holiday program already prepared where he'd kill Neelix. <laughs> he specifically has a Neelix murder simulator set and ready to go. He, he just, <laughs> I guess it's just to test his tolerance. <laughs> like, was the purpose of it originally to kill Neelix or just to learn how to tolerate him? Learn how to not kill Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> Game over. You lose. Would you like to try again? <laughs> All right, so back in the bar, the B plot, uh, the time filler. Yeah, here comes Chakotay to ruin the fun. It's so. it is it's a garbage plot for this episode, but like Mickey pointed out before, as part of an overarching story element that goes through part of season two, you know, it makes sense and is necessary later on. But it's really yeah, it feels like a waste of time in in yeah. just this isolated context. Yeah. yeah it, on its own, it's not only boring and stupid, but it feels really hammy and just like, what the f*** is this? Yeah. It's like, Chakotay just accepts Paris making fun of him in front of the crew and just walks away. Yeah, that's that's kind of like, he is commanding officer. <laughs> like, But I mean, spoilers, the whole thing is they're trying to set up Tom to look like he's about to quit, quit the ship. So he yeah, can be a spy. I, so. Yeah, it, but it, it it's just the set actual setup is just it, it it feels like somebody else entirely was writing these scenes and directing in these scenes and shooting these scenes and they just kind of half ass shoved it into the rest of the episode. I mean this yeah. could have been done second unit. Yeah, it could have been. Because it I mean, doesn't it, it does not like I know B plots in, in shows and all that, but usually they kind of like at least feel like they're part of the same script some all the times when done well. This doesn't. <laughs> And, and bless their hearts for trying something ambitious in Voyager, especially in the early seasons when they were had the the reset button edict. Uh. I mean, it didn't really work all that great, but at least they tried something. Ah, back to the A plot. Okay, so <laughs> Suter has adopted a very Vulcan manner of standing, and it hasn't made him any more charming. No, but it doesn't make Vulcans any more charming either. No, but uh, that doesn't take the edge off. Oh, okay. No, uh, it actually makes it worse. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Sooner seems to have absorbed a lot of Tuvok in that one mind meld. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's feeling enlightened. He's feeling very logical about, I do have a logical need to murder, and you should murder me too. It's the only logical thing to do. More murder is logical. Well, he certainly sounds Vulcan. Tuvok's, well, you know, this is going to wear off. Well, we need, we need to keep doing this then. Yeah, yeah. and then we kept the, Then there's this description <laughs> of how he describes it. It is um certainly a way to describe it. Yes, it's very violent act. It's it's all like penetration and you know <laughs> yeah. breaking As someone's soon... will and taking control from them. And can... wow, you could I... totally just kill someone inside their brain, and then they would die in real life. Wouldn't I that be so like... hot? <laughs> <laughs> as soon 
as I heard the word penetration, I was like, oh, this is why this episode was chosen. <laughs> no, that's just a I happy know who chose it. <laughs> I didn't know who chose it. I just figured it feels par for the course. So Tuvok is conflicted, and Suter uses his confliction to just Conflicted. jump on in there. <laughs> um, violence, it's, it's, it's attractive, isn't it? You just think about it, and it's you just want to do it, right? It, it, violence is sexy. Like, a, like a, a cherry red sports car, or <laughs> some Plomex soup. Don't you don't you find it attractive, Tuvok? No, it's disturbing. Yes, and the disturbing part's what's so attractive about it. The violence is disturbing and attractive. Attractive, disturbing, violence, violence, disturbing, attraction, violence, Tuvok, kill me, kill me, kill me. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> isn't it ironic that we can share this special bond? Until it's like, whoa, wait a sec. I'm not ready for a relationship. <laughs> I've got a wife. This is a one-time thing here. Two bucks on the down low. <laughs> so to prevent himself from having any more out-of-wedlock fun, <laughs> uh, Tuvok decides to lock himself in his quarters, uh, turn off the lights, because lights are violent. And then oh. he erases himself from the security protocols. And he's... And then he phones into work saying, I can't come into work. I've got a headache. <laughs> I mean, he basically does the equivalent of sending a text message to his boss. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, you need to call in at least an hour before work. <laughs> Captain, I can't come in. My door won't open. <laughs> <laughs> I've locked my door and swallowed my key. I'm a little stuck. <laughs> For at least 24 hours. So Janeway comes down with the security guard, which is unusually smart of her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then she immediately well, orders she, her to wait outside. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you can still shoot through the doorway, but... The subtitles read, it's labored breathing. <laughs> <laughs> How did Suter get in the room with you? <laughs> <laughs> so then we get a very creepy shot of Tuvok, just sort of sitting silhouetted in shadow. You can sort of see his hand and, like, a little bit of his face. And he's just talking about all the different ways he knows how to murder a bitch. It's like, damn, dude! <laughs> then, stay back, Catherine. She takes a step forward. Stay back, I'll kill you! I'll take another step forward. <laughs> it's a very bold move. And well, bold that's... moves are usually very stupid, but in this case, it does pay off for her. Well, usually trying to tell Janeway not to do something is the best way to get Janeway to do something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she smartly says, let's sedate him before we move him to sickbay. I was glad for that. <laughs> I, I'm i kind of disappointed, though, that, it, you know, after she said, you know, we'll sedate you, she didn't order the uh, security officer to come in and just phaser him. <laughs> so that's, that's like sedation. It's implied. I mean, Jordan <laughs> yeah, was I fine, it, so. I think it is implied because, you know, it, it is set for stun, and what are you going to do? Get closer to him to do it? Well, no! Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you need, like, a higher setting for a Vulcan, though, especially one, you know, in, you know, murderous frenzy. Murder Specific pond bar. Yeah. Yeah. Murder pond Specific bar. There you go. <laughs> Specific uh, Vulcan murder frenzy setting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't usually have to use this, but... 
like a smash glass and stuff in case of murder frenzy. <laughs> I always wonder why it was on here, to be honest with you. So we get Tuvok to sickbay, and he's knocked out, and he's got little cell phones glued to his face. <laughs> and then we get a wonderful speech from the doctor uh, making fun of Vulcans. <laughs> and right, so Vulcans the think time. they're so great that when their mind melts go bad, and they always f***ing do, <laughs> who do they come running to? Me. <laughs> Vulcans think they're so great. How great are they? can they be if they're all full of this crazy mental block bullshit that gets in the way and f***s them up and ruins my day? I like that he can just turn it off, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the doctor's plan is... Well, let's just turn off his motion suppression entirely and just let him get really angry and let's burn himself out of it. Behind a force field. I don't think that's how, like, mental health works. <laughs> no, no. Perhaps the doctor is just f***ing with Tuvok. I, I mean. Well, yeah, I, I haven't ruled that possibility out either. Like, maybe this is like an Emperor's New Clothes situation. Like, boy, I wish I could just stick some 90s-ass-looking cell phones on my face and turn off some parts of my brain. Let the doctor sickly recording all of this to blackmail Tuvok with later. <laughs> now, you'll be at my opera, won't you? <laughs> if you're not, I'll release this tape. <laughs> so, Tuvok wakes up, and, uh, oh, Tim Russ can act. Yeah! Tim Russ is scary when he acts. Yeah, actually. Because uh, he just kind of reads the captain for filth. <laughs> he just runs down a list of all the ways that she's bullshit and the why I'm right and we should go <laughs> kill some people. <laughs> and f*** you. I mean, he's, he's fairly charismatic like that, which is actually also part of the scary part because he wants to murder people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then he turns to Kess, who's being acknowledged for the first time in the episode. After, this is, I think this is after he, 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 read, he read the Doctor's rights. Yep. <laughs> Big like, he has Control-Alt-Delete-Your-Ass. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he read the Doctor's rights, and it, 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 he said the Doctor has none. Kess, you're my, you're my protege. Remember all this telepathic training we did? And she's like, no, we turned that part off, too. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. Smart! <laughs> Yes, uncharacteristically smart, really. We don't have enough time for me to be a part in this episode, so we're not dealing with the telepathy. Oh. oh. Too much Tom Paris. <laughs> that one was too much. God. <laughs> Always. <laughs> one thing that Tuvok keeps bringing up is justice for Ensign Darwin's family members back in the Alpha Quadrant, Beta Quadrant, whatever. Who, as far as they know, will be dead by the time they get there. Yeah. It's like, don't they deserve justice? Don't they deserve murder? No, not them, but murder for them, not of them. Well, we can murder them, too. I mean, I'm flexible. Who knows how long it'll take to get there, after all? So, the scene wraps up with Tuvok passing back out, because the time limit on his Garo transformation ended. <laughs> and the, the doctor, like, delivers this fantastic one with a straight face. It's like... He's literally waging a battle of good and evil and signed his mind. Like, <laughs> damn, dude. <sighs> also, I, I do like the uh, the note there that, like, you know, he might be faking it. We should sedate him just in case before we release the force field. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this 
this episode is unusually smart for Voyager. Yeah. yeah. So long as you cut out the Tom Paris scenes. Yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> but, uh, but they're obviously not written to be a part of this episode anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of forward thinking of characters in this episode in general of like, you know, why didn't they do this? Well, they actually do it in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of Star Trek is kind of guilty of that. So Yeah. Yeah. Although, as we move farther ahead in the real world, I can kind of see, like, wow, there's uh, definitely some loss of common sense as humanity advances. Yeah, so, you know, actually, that ends up making Voyager look better in hindsight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of all great. the things 2020 is guilty of, making Voyager look good was not the one I had predicted. God, this year sucks. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> Tuvok wakes up in the middle of the night... Uh, yanks the cell phones off his forehead, which that must have hurt because I, that was probably double sided tape they used. And like, ow, you know, it's, it's like ripping off a band aid. I think more concerning is the fact that, well, I mean, I know there's a force field there, but he's not being directly watched. The, the doctor is probably taking a nap. Someone carelessly deactivated the doctor earlier. Actually, that's probably more likely. Someone just <laughs> shut him off. <laughs> Like, hey, two bucks that we could just t- turn you off, actually. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they forgot to turn off the connect in the room, and two bucks just said, Doctor off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he pulls the power cord out of the table and short circuits the force field. He MacGyver's his way out of this because he also, he also uses part of the things that run his face. Yeah. But to be fair, he's a security chief. He probably wouldn't know how to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least it's, it's that makes sense. So he immediately goes down to the brig because it's murder time. Um, he knocks out the security guard or he phasers him, whatever. And then hopefully he'll hit the sun. Yeah, <laughs> he, he confronts Suter, and it's a battle of the wills. Will he do it? Will he not do it? Will he not do it? Will he do it? And of course, a Suter being the psychopathic asshole that he is uh, goads him into logical murder. <laughs> and he actually gets the mind meld of death started. And that's totally Suter's O-face. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you can see his <laughs> solid black eyes uh, dilate somehow. Somehow. <laughs> but uh, right before Tuvok pulls the trigger, he backs off and saves him. Lame. And then Suter saves him. Yeah, I like that um, he pages, he grabs two bucks combat and says, uh, uh, Chakotay, um, this is Suter. How the fuck did you get a combat? <laughs> I do appreciate that is the first, an- first thing he hears. <laughs> well, imagine Chakotay's first response is, oh, god damn it, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> what when have you, you done? A, when you say he's out, you mean Suter or Tuvok? Yeah, yeah. You will. No, so I like to think that Chakotay didn't get conferenced in on the Tuvok development while he was busy, uh, you know, dealing with Tom. Like, Chakotay couldn't bother bother to tell us about Suter in the first place. Why should we tell him about what's going on? Exactly. Wait, Tuvok Tuvok been doing what? (laughs) Chakotay was busy memorizing his lines for the next holodeck scene with Tom. No, you know what? Chakotay confiscated all the uh, replicator rations from the last pot, so he's probably been busy trying to figure out, man, what am I going to eat? 
prime rib sounds good, actually. Yeah, he's just yeah. replicating food and throwing it out the window. They're <laughs> <laughs> recording it so he can show it to Tom later. So first he replicated a uh, fireplace. Then he started replicating money to just throw into the fireplace. His quarters are just filled with apples with one bite taken out of them. <laughs> he invites Paris and Kim down. So we close out here on Tuvok being in sick bay. The doctor saying, "Yeah, he'll be back to normal. Whatever f-ing normal is for that crazy ass race." <laughs> Damn. This episode has got good doctor in it. Well, it's an episode with a doctor in it. Yeah, he's not in it much though. But like, what he does have is just like razor edge, perfect. Uh huh. Irritation and condensation. Condensation? Yeah, condescension, not condensation. Oh. They're, they're, Although I mean, he might be moist, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good example of, even when people were bitching about Voyager endlessly, because at this time, people had the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Doctor was always popular. Yeah. For yeah. a reason. Because he was always written well, and performed well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's mainly that he was performed well, and then they started writing him better. Yeah. So, uh, Tuvok tells Janeway, uh, sorry about that, my bad. <laughs> Jane's response is, okay, no more my melts without my permission. You don't get the fuck unless I say so. <laughs> Damn, Janeway. Then they sort of laugh and end on a freeze frame. As, as it's... It's also mentioned that Suter is just confined to his room for the, rest the remainder of the trip. Yes. Uh, so, yes, Suter is just gets to stay in his room for the rest of the series until he shows up again. When is that? Basics, one and two. What season was that? The this, end the, of the this... season and opening of season three. Yes. Ah. And uh, I can say honestly that he is the only good part of those two episodes. Right after Tuvix. Yeah. Two episodes after two weeks. Uh Suter's part in the finale slash opening of the basics saga is amazing. Yeah. Uh, you get to see some character growth from him, and he interacts with the Doctor a lot. But there's a the, but there. <laughs> the but there is the rest of the... Well, okay, no. Seska's in it, too, and that's also great, because Seska's awesome. Uh, but the rest of the episode is complete trash. So Seska's another one of those things where I feel like they came up with a really interesting idea and then immediately threw away everything they could have done with it. I, 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 an example I um, uh, saw the other day was well, imagine if, say, DS9 threw away Garak after two seasons or so. <laughs> Garrick. Garrick, I'm sorry. But I'm, like, I am allowed to mispronounce things in this show. <laughs> Garrick, thank you. Look, I'm Southern. I'm allowed to. <laughs> but just so you know, just toss them to the wind. Never, never really be heard from again. From what I understand uh, is that the decision to get rid of Seska, as well as Suter, is tied to one specific producer who did not want to have any continuity with anything. Which specific producer is that? I don't remember which one. It, it was the lady, I believe. Ah, Jerry Taylor. That's it. I, I believe that's mentioned on Memory Alpha somewhere. I could <laughs> lean forward and access the keyboard and look it up, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Um. Well, so basically, why Voyager might have a fair number of actually good standalone episodes, but um, 
in terms of like a continuing plot to any degree. I think the logic behind it was is they wanted anyone to be able to turn into UPN's flagship show, mm-hmm. check it out, and not be lost. Which I mean, it worked for TNG, but also Voyager's entire premise is kind of predicated on um, a continual narrative to a degree. <laughs> it's ironic yeah. they want anybody to be able to tune in and not be lost watching the show where everybody's lost. It, 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 it's ironic that like if somebody just tuned into this episode in particular, there's really not a lot of context given to why it opens in a in, uh, a twentieth century bar. <laughs> and they keep going back to that bar. They uh-huh. never like like if that's their logic for doing that, they failed spectacularly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that was kind of misguided. Yeah, at best. Yeah, well, no, Voyager has some problems. Like thinking back on it over the really? years. <laughs> thinking back on it over the years, I felt like instead of throwing Seska over to the Kazons after. They revealed she was a Cardassian. It would have been so much more interesting narratively to have her actually stay on the ship as a Cardassian. That would have been interesting also because it it wasn't around this time that the Dominion War was going on over on DS9. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, cycling up, but like the Cardassian involvement didn't happen until somewhere around season five. Which I think wasn't Voyager on the air by then? Voyager started in 95, January of so, 95. Yeah. It was a couple seasons behind Deep Space Nine. Yeah, so uh, either way, if she, if they, she had stayed around as a Cardassian, it would have overlapped. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which you know, that would have been an interesting contrast. Although, I think Martha Hackett might have been part of the problem with how Seska was used, too, because... Um, in the opening of Deep Space Nine Season 3, she was in the search, Part 1 and 2, as the Romulan, uh, basically, uh, guard, I guess, over the cloaking device. Which was written with the intent of that being a recurring to regular role, and Martha Hackert ah. didn't want to commit to doing that. Ah. So she ended up being in those two episodes and then never reappearing. Mm. So it may have just been a general thing of not wanting to, like... Uh, commit to that much of a regular role. Well, that makes sense. The same way Michelle Forbes was supposed to be the Bajoran first officer on Deep Space Nine, but did not want to commit to a series. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think probably worked out for the better, because I don't know if putting Ensign Rowe in that role would have actually played very well. Ensign Rowe is not very likable. I I, I think that's on purpose, though. <laughs> Well, Kira is not very likable on purpose, but the <laughs> actress is very likable. Yeah, I, there is a way to play and write a, a, a character who is in universe not likable, but to the audience is a delight. Oh, okay, well, the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's not necessarily that the character is unlikable; is this is just how they're presented. The real problem why Ensign Rowe didn't want to go to DS9 is there's no beds to jump on. And she's a jumper. Cardassian, <laughs> Cardassian beds just aren't good for jumping on. So that was Meld. The best episode of Voyager. Okay, what about the episode where the Doctor creates a holographic family and his holographic daughter dies? I like <laughs> this episode better than that. Oh, okay. And I don't know enough off the top of my head to argue it. Therefore, 
it is the best episode of Voyager. <laughs> I mean, I can't really think of competition. Well, there's the episode with Sarah Silverman. There is the episode with um, George Costanza. Oh, I hate that episode. Which one? I... The Sarah Silverman or the George Costanza? Actually, yes. I vaguely, uh, the, I, I there was vaguely, The Rock. I vaguely recall the guest star episodes because they because they would get a lot of commercials. Okay, and so, they always knock you out of the episode when you see them. Okay, so <laughs> so Futures and the Sarah Silverman episodes like was interesting conceptually, but is not actually really fun to watch. Which Agreed. Kind of, like kind of describes a lot of Voyager, yeah. <laughs> I always find it lazy though when Star Trek transfer travels back in time to current day. Yeah, well, it feel like if they're going to do a time travel thing, they need to like lean into what the original series said was going on at those points I, in time, and I, I, you know, create the eugenics wars or whatever. I think that a lot of the travel back to current day ones also kind of fall flat because we had Star Trek Four. Yeah, and how are you going to top that? Really, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, you literally can't. So why bother trying? Just because it would be cheaper. You're never going to top the, the gold dialogue that is, they are not the hellier whales. <laughs> and plus, Star Trek Four is set in the 80s. Like, Well, yes, yeah, so therefore is... Like, what more of an iconic superior. decade could you go to? Like, the 90s? No. <laughs> oh, there's also the time that uh, Clarence Boddicker was destroying time. Or Red Foreman, depending on the more popular reference at the time. Clarence Boddicker is always the more popular reference. Okay, but what if it was the guy who melted and then exploded when he got hit by Robocop's car who was destroying time? Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad y'all liked this episode. I was fairly certain that uh, I was going to meet Resistance upon wanting to discuss it. Oh, no, I've actually have... appreciated this episode for quite a while. I have nothing to do, so... No, 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 Resistance here! <laughs> Ah, well, if you have nothing to do, that means we could record another episode. Not tonight, but, you know, in the future. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> do we hate ourselves and others that much? I know I oh, do. Oh, you already know the answer to that. I can't begin to describe for you how much I hate myself. Um, <laughs> and others! <laughs> yes, but I can't possibly hate others more than myself. I'm just not that giving. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um... So I was thinking for next time we could watch the Deep Space Nine episode from season five in the cards. I'm okay with this because I don't remember what it's about. I well, have no idea what it's about off the top of my head. <laughs> in the cards, wherein Jake Sisko utters the words of power, what could possibly go wrong? Not realizing oh, no. the curse he has just unleashed upon himself and Nog. Oh boy. A Jake and Nog episode, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that sounds promising. Oh, wait, is this going to make us sad because of Nog? No, I don't think so. Okay. It's not like we're watching, uh, you know, what we left behind where they're, uh, you know, plotting out uh, Fantasy Season 8. <coughs> where they kill Nog and then Nog dies? Yeah. Thanks, guys. That <laughs> That was sad. Hearing that Quark plans to auction off antiquities that include a vintage Willie Mays baseball card, Jake decides to obtain the card for his father. What could possibly go wrong? This sounds like there's going to be hijinks and antics. Yes. Quark. And Wayun. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, uh, who was he in this episode? <laughs> uh, he was Jeffrey Combs. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> New episodes of that one episode of Star Trek are made possible by the support of our excellent patrons. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash tfradio and help support the show. Plus, get early access two weeks before everyone else with new episodes releasing about twice per month. There's also an archive of over 100 classic That One Episode of Star Trek episodes, which you can listen to anytime. You'll find that at tfradio.net. Okay, that seems like an episode. Yeah. That wasn't terribly painful. No. No, and we kept the runtime to under an hour and a half. Hell yeah. Wow. We're out of practice. Well, it's also because there's only three of us. Well, we tried to start derailing it five minutes in. Mmm, <laughs> chicken. Yeah, yeah you can only we... talk about deep frying for so long. Yeah, if we just cut out the 20 minutes where y'all went on about cooking, we'll be good. <laughs> but it's that's... 2020. What else do people have to do but cook? But that's where the theme music has to go. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about this new sourdough I started. <laughs> no! <laughs>